Parramatta looking good early. Marnie away. Brown linking up. Here's Moses. Floats one over the top. And it's the Hayne Plain to score first. And he draws level with Brett Kenny. Well, he's gone up to catch the ball on the boot. Has accidentally hit Jared Hayne in the face. Debutants blooded by Brad Arthur this year. The other two are out there, actually, for Parramatta. As the pass goes to Jennings, he's not one of them, obviously. Jennings down the flank. Gives it to Hayne. Hayne stepping. Hayne gives the ball away now. They're going to go over again. Long ball here to Moses. He'll go up to himself. Moses nearly threw an anchor's tackle. It was Cameron McKinnis, but he had a second grab at him. A beautiful play by Moses. Ten. He's gone to the bin. Tackle. They realised that he was at marker. Here he comes now. Oh, oh he shot the ball. There's a knock on. Look at the eels. Ball goes to George Jennings. He reaches out and he scored. Right hand side. And it's Moses feeding Norman back to Mitchell Moses. Ball's on the deck. It's tipped over the top here by Sam and it's still play on. Oh, and the, only the bouncer saves and George Illawarra there. Jamin Salmon put, sends a high one up. Oh, it's allowed to bounce. It sits up. Hayne's got three. Yep. You're grinding, mate. Yes. Spirals the ball away. Moses, clever little kick there. Finds the gap. Oh, the Dragons were standing there looking at it. And Clint Gutherson has scored. He's Moses. Straight through them. Moses up to the 20. Shaped the kick. Accelerates. Moses, brilliant. Moses sprints away from them. It's a slip one over the top. Don't know whether it was forward. The referee was in line. And he was happy enough with it. Now Gutherson back to Varve. Varve! with a one-handed put-down. That might sum up the Dragons' night. The Parramatta, they celebrate on the bench, and so they might. They've been terrific here tonight. None better than that man we just saw on screen, Jared Hayne. What a performance. Three tries, all of them coming in the first half. He ignited ANZ Stadium and was one of the chief engineers of this big win for Parramatta. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Para Podcast, the round 23 edition of the Para Podcast, if you will. Uh, tonight, I'm temporarily stepping in for Hamish as the moderator and host of this uh, lovely little show as he deals with uh, a dinner date I think he has with a family member. So while I'm in charge, I'm, in, I'm joined this week by Bertie. Hey, how's it going? And Ham. Yep. What and a week. <laughs> yeah, what a week for sure. And I am um, today and always 40-20, so uh, stand by with me as we wait for Hamish to join us, but we'll jump into the review of the week that was in round 22, starting with that fantastic 40-4 victory over the St. George Illawarra Dragons. Uh, the Eels, 40 points, Dragons 4 to reiterate. Jared Hayne was a try scorer of three. Uh, Michael Jennings, Michael Jennings, was it or George? George. George, Hamish's notes had... Gen uh, sorry, it's Jennings now, my bad. Yeah. So, try scorers Jared Hayne by three with his first half hat-trick. George Jennings, Quentin Gufferson, Mitchell Moses with that sensational 40 or 50 metre solo effort. And CSI Avave to cap off the 40-point route. Uh, Moses hit six from seven off the tee. And for the Dragons, they had their big man Luciano Leilua score off a crossfield bomb. You don't see a big man get that high that often. Um, but what did everyone think? Obviously, our best um, one of the season... What do you got, Ham? I was just about to say, I think I got the... Uh, I believe I got my tip 
right for the first time ever <laughs> on the Parrot Podcast. He, he, he had a good tip last week, didn't he? Oh, except he didn't put up. He, didn't, he needs to put up the. Uh, but needs to put up the arms for the plane. Everyone was doing it in the crowd. Yeah, I know. He, he seems oh, reluctant. It's just. It, I think that was the most disappointing part of the game. To be honest, the, the, <laughs> the arms need to come up, Jared, for the post try celebration. We need it. We need it. <laughs> uh, Bertie, what, what was your initial impression of the uh, big win? I thought um, it was a very good performance. Pretty much, we. Uh, our forwards were on point, like uh, they made plenty of meters. I thought in the beginning they they made plenty of meters, like 50, 60 meters a set, and I was getting worried just back on their forwards because they're they're represented represented representation of forwards, whatever that is, you know, rep forty players. And I just thought, um, yeah, well, it was going to be a tough game, but I don't know. We just end up smashing them through the middle. Yeah, that's a that's a very good point because obviously all the the press coming out of that victory has been about how the dragons choked and how they're gassed and running out of steam and it's another you know late season fade by the dragons, but they definitely came out fired up and like you said they were chewing up fifty or sixty meters a set through the middle, but the eels did a very good job of absorbing that pressure and then bending and not breaking in defense. They got into their red zone defensively and then let the dragons throw what they had at them and then they just absorbed it and turned it back around. And it helped this week that we finally got some love from the officials. We had a very dominant penalty count. I don't Ooh. know what I don't know what changed. Yeah. But um, we we had a very lopsided penalty count, especially in the first half. But I think the players won the seventeen this week, put in a great effort in defense. And I mean, to be fair, if you go back a couple of years, I think Mary McGregor was the one that said that tries off kicks shouldn't count or they don't count. So <laughs> if you if you go by that sort of logic, the Parramatta Eels actually had a clean sheet against the Dragons, uh, forty to the blot. But <clears throat> there were standouts across the park for Parramatta. Um, I know Nathan Brown's a regular in that regard, but he had like 180 metres off 19 or 20 carries, 30-odd tackles. Um, Mitchell Moses really starred as the dominant half. I think that whole re-jig uh, re spine clicked really nicely. Um, we had Corey Norman do a similar role at fullback against the Broncos earlier in the year, but it didn't play out as smoothly that time around. He had a very good game individually, but Moses struggled. Whereas this time we saw a different uh, take on the roles and it worked really nicely with the two rookies in the spine. What did you think on that uh, different combination in the spine here? Yeah, I was just about to say, um, who was the dummy half in that uh, Broncos game? Was it Cam Cameron, King? Cameron King, yeah. Yeah, I'm just wondering, just can't put enough praise on um, Reed Marnie enough, you know, with his decision-making, his crisp passing. You know, he's won, what, four out of six games now? When he's yep. been in first grade, I believe I believe that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, I'm not I'm not saying it's all down to him or it's all down to one thing or another. There's obviously a whole bunch of reasons why um, we've started this sort of late late season form. Um, you know, I think he's been absolutely huge in not only uh, attack but also defence. He gets right underneath plays. He doesn't stop tackling. Um, always brings him down. I just think he's making more correct decisions from dummy half and making a lot quicker from dummy half than our other dummy, than our other players were and it was just, it was slow um balls going the wrong direction or it wasn't going any direction at all um so i think reed is a a, a pretty yeah sort of solid reason why um this this weekend it worked or last weekend it worked and the weekend the time before that it mightn't have what did you see from the new look spine buddy I like I like the um I like the play where the fullback and the winger like sh they change throughout the game so like Hay mm -hmm. comes in he can um jump, cue into the back back line and then you had Norman uh to the wing 
for a bit. I like that whole um, dynamic where we can have pretty much, besides Jennings, we can have pretty much our fullback and winger uh, constantly um, constantly uh, changing positions, getting the opposition um, worried whether or not Haynes in the middle of the field. Or yeah, the you, wings, you can so throw like... some different looks at the opposition depending on who's playing fullback. I think they've done a good job of finding that right harmony in that, you know, a fluidity to change who is playing in the different back three positions. So we've seen, you know, last week when Quinton Gufson took a big run down the um, left edge following Penny Torepo's break, Jared slotted into fullback instantaneously. Oh, I mean, sorry, you you correct me on this hand, but Guffo was at left centre to start that set, wasn't he, last week? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and Jared was, um, you know, just slotted in fluidly at fullback and then finished off the try for Bevan French. And then this week you see, you saw similar stuff with uh, Jared's hat trick because when Jamin Salmon put up that bomb, Jared Hayne was running right through the centre of the field. What a bomb that was. Yeah, they don't want 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 a piece of that. No, it was just, it was an ugly bomb. It landed absolutely, it was pin perfect, even if the player was back there. That's probably something worth complimenting team-wide is that this week was probably the first time all season that we got our bombs right. Most of them were, were quite contestable. There was no you know, midfield, no pressure bombs. If they didn't, if, well, there, were, there was one bad bomb where Jared got his face studded, but um, oh, <laughs> that was only yeah. bad because only bad because of that result. <laughs> that was um, I don't know how. But Pereira, it did turn up the best ever uh, head trapping I think we've ever, we've seen since Mick well, Feller. That's had right. A broken dubbed, nose. <laughs> dubbed the the hot cross Hain. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was a that was a good one. I don't know if anyone saw the um the guys on the podcast there, but I don't know if um any of the listeners saw the the follow up picture from when he was um after the game, but Ooh, that opened yeah, up a gash. nice a nice gash on his uh, chin. Going back uh, to the I, seven bit, and that's not a euphemism, by the way. <laughs> Sorry, Betty, you were saying. You know, I was saying going back to seven. Look, I I don't know if it was just me, but I hardly noticed him besides him making that break and him putting the bomb up and almost scoring. Other than that, I saw Moses dominating the whole team. And that's what I like because when we had Norman and Moses, it was either one's decision what to do. Now that we saw Moses dominate, I knew it was, it was a good image. Like, uh, it was a clear, direct um, orders coming from him. And Samuel was just supporting him, which is a 5 should do, you know. So it was a positive. Jamin, Jamin, like you said, he played an understated game. But he, he played that link role really nicely. He knew when he had to run the ball and when he had to pass it to his more dominant playmakers, whether it was Mitch or Corey. But at the same time, he found himself in try-scoring situations three times, but the poor bugger couldn't get over the white line yeah. to yeah. save himself. So, yeah. he, um, And on, on top of that, you know, he made 21 tackles with zero missed, which is in, in NRL is as good as you can ask for from a young 5'8". And, you know, the, the kicking responsibilities weren't massive for him. He had two. One was a try assist for Jared, and I think the other one rolled dead just, if I recall correctly. But yeah, it was I think a, so. We didn't ask him to do too much, and on the flip side, he didn't try and overplay his hand, which has probably been the biggest issue for the Parramatta Eels in the spine is that you've got two very good playmakers when they're on in Mitchell Moses and Corey Norman. But last year, whereas Norman seemed to be happy to take a, a backseat role... This year, they've sort of, you know, not not as an indictment on either of them, they've sort of clashed as both of them have tried to lift the team out of the slump. And for whatever reason, on Saturday night, it was perfectly in harmony. So we saw the, the, the results immediately from that, which is sort of the sort of effort that fans of this team would have been expecting given our success in 2017. So that was really encouraging. Um, I, I, I think mean, it also, it was a, it, was a, as you say, it complemented uh, Moses, which, you know, when Moses was on... 
on fire that night. I think it was five try involvements or something like four, that. Four tries to send his um, amazing solo try, yeah. 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 Um, so, you know, he, that's exactly what a, another half should have done, was just get out of his way, um, let the dummy half pass to him, don't overcall him. So, you know, on, on the stat sheet and looking at it, um, you know, you, you want to look for the big player or whatever from a young half. But it was the perfect game just to compliment Salmon. And when Mitch is on like that, um, as you saw, I don't, I don't think there's going to be many teams to be able to stop him. And that's that's an important nuance to make a comment on him is that there's going to be some games where another player is the dominant player, like we saw with Jared against Newcastle, was it? Where yeah. he was just tearing the shreds. And it's that sort of effort where you need to adapt your game plan at times and you know keep feeding the ball until the opposition can provide an answer to that player. But fortunately for us, it was our you know the designated dominant playmaker on Saturday and he had a very good game. Um, looking at that stat sheet that you just mentioned, we had one, two, three, four, five, six forwards clocking up 100 plus meters on the running game. Um, of those four, all of our backs, forward, and all and all of the back line had 130 meters was the minimum uh, game yeah. with Michael Jennings off just 11 carries. So the, the the meters per carry there was fantastic across the entire team. Uh, I think of the forwards, it was arguably CSI Avave's best game for Parramatta or close to. 16 runs, 141 metres, and uh, 20 tackles with just two missed. And, of course, that uh, last meat pie to rack that score up to 40. And, and from the others, we talked about Nathan Brown before. 21 carries, 186 metres, 30 tackles, one missed. Kane Evans had a nice uh, follow-up game to his strong showing against the Titans. He was uh, 14 carries, 122 metres, 19 tackles, zero missed. And he had those two fabulous try involvements. The first with that... Uh, out of nowhere that ridiculous cutout pass to unleash Jared Hayne for his second try and then late in the game he was the man that started the movement that eventually got Vave over he had that goose step to yeah he got those those big gangly legs freed up and he was putting on a bit of a show um, when I saw him in the clear I fought back to um, one of the blogs on your on the Cumberland throw I think it was 60s wrote that yeah, he's very quick over 40 metres like he just flies over 40 minutes. So I was hoping he you know, could run the whole way. Uh, I would have loved to have seen the big man in stride, but he had a good game. And it, it's encouraging uh, as fans to see Kane starting to piece it together. Unfortunately, there's a little bit of bad news there, which we'll get to in the preview component, uh, component of the Blum podcast. But after a really, you know, up and not even up, just a really down and down start for Parramatta, followed by injury and then a long stint ISP, Evans seems to have gotten him, himself into the right headspace with um, back-to-back strong showings. Um, um, Dave Gow, I was just saying, Dave Gow inch closer yeah. to game 100 with his 99th cap. Um, no, was that 12 runs, 103 meters off the bench, and Ham. I was just about to say on Kane Evans. Um, obviously his first game back, he was fantastic, making about 130 meters or whatever. Um, I thought this game he was. He, so I think he might have tried to do a little bit too much again. I know it was it was fantastic. He put those two the one pass and one offload on, but he didn't seem to run as hard. Um, I'm not sure if that was because of whatever, but I just I just thought, you know, he had a little bit of... Um, might have got a bit too excited about his game, I think. That, that's a, that's a fair just, criticism. I think and if you uh, just was, sort of... He was involved in that early head crash of James Graham, which yeah, somehow, true. Yeah, somehow that, that involved could... Graham not getting taken to HIA. But but yeah, the, if, if there was one thing you could consistently criticise Kane of, it is that perhaps being over-eager or inside his own head a little bit as far as not running, just, you know, not streamlining his game and running hard first and then letting the rest of the game come to him. Yeah, especially being, you know, his second game back in first grade. Um, I thought it might have been better if he did, you know, just sort of put the head down a little bit more, 
Um, obviously, still see, still pass an offload when you see the opportunity to play some footy. But it just seemed to be... And, of course, I, I completely forgot about the HIA. So, um, you know, if I think anyone be, would be rattled after a potential concussion. I reckon he sees Petty runs... You know how Petty runs across field, links up with other players. I reckon he sees that and he thinks, you know what, well, I can do that. Like, I can attract two to three defenders and free up a man. So that's why he reckon probably thought he could do something similar to that, you know. Definitely well, Penny, Penny, Penny's definitely relishing that role, and he finished up with a team-high six tackle breaks, or bust, depending on how you want to categorize it, um, equal to Jared Hayne, who also had the same number. So it was just a, you know, statistically, it was obviously a dominant performance, because when you post up 40 points, you're going to have some nice and pretty numbers. But, I mean, for me, the biggest takeaway is that it was the first 80-minute effort by the Eels. They didn't switch off in the second half. They didn't switch off in the last quarter, which they've been guilty of for the entire season. And we finally got to see this team play to its potential. And I know it's you know 10 or 15 rounds too late, otherwise you'd be right in the thick of the finals chase. But we've been very big on building towards 2019, and I think that is the most important storyline to come out of this game or this run of form in the last six weeks for me, is that we're one of the few clubs in the bottom eight that I think is solidly put together pieces for next year. Um, you look at the um, the rest of the bottom eight, You know the, the Cowboys have got a lot of retirees, or elderly guys in the squad. The dogs are struggling just in general across the roster. I know they've you know been tough under Dean Pay, but it hasn't been pretty. Um, Manly are just about to sack or release Trent Barrett. The Titans, you know, their million dollar man and Ash Taylor struggling. Uh, the Raiders are under Ricky Stewart, so <laughs> you know that's that's a thing. And the West Tigers, who are arguably the you know the best improving club in that regard have their own struggles with their coach as to how long he's going to be at the joint so for the eels i think they've they've making they're making very important steps forwards consistently they've got three strong debutants this year with potentially a fourth to join which we'll get to once again in the preview component of the the uh podcast but they're doing the right things and it's starting to see the results on the field as um, brad Arthur, final thoughts as brad arthur yeah. said we've been in every game besides the newcastle game at home every game since then we've been in it you know oh, that's right in that stretch and if you go across the entire course of the season i'd argue that there are three games that we haven't been in the newcastle game that you just mentioned the obviously the manly game at brookvale where we got thumped to nil and the third game i throw in is the game when we went to canberra where i don't think the scoreline was that bad but we never felt like we were in the game yeah so a- across all those losses we've been right in the thick of most of them but we've often shot ourselves in the foot so um, it is what it is, but we're doing the right things now. Uh, before we move on to the other grades and their results, anything you want to add to the NRL review, boys? Um, we limited their forwards. Not one made 100 metres, which is pretty... That's, that, that is a very good yeah. point, yeah. yeah. Um, if you look at... There was a, a really interesting stat on Twitter. Someone uh, put together the, the run metre differentials for the Dragons in their opposition. And they've been slowly trending down since round one, where they've been they were dominant for the first six weeks. But that that game for the Dragons was their single worst run meter differential for the entire season. So the Eels spanked them from quite literally one to seventeen, as we spoke of. All our backs posting 130 meters plus, six of our forwards crossing 100 meters. And speaking of guys um, getting spanked because he's turned up late. <laughs> <laughs> our, um, our erstwhile leader Hamish has finally joined the fray. My recording, and it is recording. There we are. Um, we were we were just wrapping up the NRL uh, game review. So, if anything you want to add before we jump into the ISP, and you can take over the show. 
yeah, I think I just had a couple of a couple of points. I don't know if you got to them as yet. Um, my notes that I just had when I watched the replay, of course, on that Sunday morning after getting home late on Saturday <laughs> night from that win, uh, managed to miss the the pins uh, the pink concert traffic. Um, but just a nice. reminder to pre-book your P1 parking just in case there's something else on, because um, I parked over at P5, but the shuttle bus ran very well, and we managed to get there just after all the pink traffic and left just before all the pink traffic, so it worked out well. Um, but on to the game. Um, Mine were our, our effort in defence, um, obviously only giving away that one try, which unfortunately Michael didn't get a hand on to, and it fell through to Luciano Leilua, who just fell over the line. Um, and then my next point was um, the effort in the second half. Uh, when the game was well and truly won, uh, after that Moses try, you know, we're already 34 points up or whatever it was, and Brown just had these two massive plays, a kick chase, and he went and smashed their, their winger, and then um, two tackles later, he put Blake Laurie on his ass um, with a bell ringer. Um, and then all those other effort plays in attack. So the kick chase was fantastic. Uh, that, that that line speed, just forcing errors from the uh, Dragons. And then those effort plays for the try and, uh, the tries. The third one to Hayne and then Guthers try just running through. Um, where obviously you can see the difference in the effort between the Dragons and the Eels. Uh, Dragons letting that ball bounce for the Hayne third try. And then of course letting the ball roll through for that um, one from Gutherson. So very disappointing for the Dragons. But I think we... Um, sort of caused a lot of their issues um, rather than having just luck on our side and um, those seven penalties to start off the game they were well and truly earned and I was saying you know when we got to about the sixth one when the hell are they going to send somebody into the sin bin but then I watched um, some of the Channel 9 replays and they're saying that it was a ridiculous call to send um, uh, McGuinness to the to the, to the the sin bin uh, which I don't agree with um, I'm surprised there wasn't a big square up in the second half there was a little bit of a square up, I have to say. There were some there that I thought were 50-50 calls that went Dragon's way, like a strip and stuff like that. Um, but, you know, nothing to complain about, really. Um, and especially when considering who the head ref we're going to have this week, I, I think we can um, um, be very thankful who we had last week. I thought it was a very well-officiated game. It, it was refreshing to have that sort of leeway uh, in the cause in the ruck for the Parramatta Eels, and it, it sort of harkened back to last year with how we were able to get into the contest in the middle because of it. One thing I did forget to mention was that with his three tries, uh, Jared moves into outright second on the Eels' all-time try scorer list with 112. Is that right? Yeah, Birdie's 124. So you right. think so if Hayne gets signed next year he's a very um, good for one more year, yeah, he's, yeah. he's got a, a chance of knocking off that record. And um, we might get into the news, but just one thing I wanted to touch on, and if you listen to the Fox commentary, uh, Nathan Brown backing up that Saturday night effort uh, by doing the City to Surf. Um, and uh, uh, raising money for Westmead Children's Hospital. So I can't speak more highly of Brownie. Yeah. Um, great team player, um, great club man. Um, so uh, hopefully Social next captain. year he can have an... Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, hopefully next year he can um, have an un, uh, a season that isn't interrupted by injury. Good stuff. All right, well, let's jump into the... So if we haven't touched on yet, we had a lot of joy this weekend. Uh, ISP... 36 to Wenty over the Bears to 30. Try scorers Bevan French picking up one. Uh, Ray Stone, Davies, Hoffman, Miski, and Davis. And Davis perfect off the boot, which was the difference in the end. Um, so you were down there, Ham. Um, Wenty, they were they were they started off strong, but then they let in about five tries in the last 20 minutes. Yeah, I was going to say it wasn't very joyful at the uh, North Sydney Oval, um, even though it was a really lovely day. Yeah, just that that heart attack, and it was a typical <laughs> Wenty second half collapse. 
um, mixed in with a sin binning of Reese Davies. Uh, definitely didn't help. Um, I thought uh, Oregon Kafusi had his best game of the season. Uh, in ISP, ran hard. He started on the edge. Oh, no, he started in the middle, that's right, for this game. And then he moved out towards the edge later on. Um, Raystone returning from injury. Absolutely fit. The typical Raystone game where he just sort of, you know, just went there, just smashed everyone um, with or without the ball. Didn't really matter. Um, just put them on their bums. Ray, Ray stat line was 12 runs, 141 metres, 26 tackles, three tackle busts, a line break and a try, which he got from a quick tap, wasn't it, Hamish? Yeah, yeah. He, um, I was, I was just, just mentioning the, we were sort of talking about the ref, good refereeing in first grade. I thought it was really good um, refereeing in ISP. Josh McGowan was his name. He, he called some nice forward pa- or some forward passes that, you know, might have been picked up in first grade. He, I thought he handled the players well. He handled the penalties well. And um, I'm not one to be positive about referees um, <laughs> too often. So I think it, it's nice. That's, that is um, high praise if it's coming from Ham's mouth. So yeah, I'll take that for absolutely you massive. And even, even at the game, I wasn't um, criticising. I know the, the Bears supporters weren't happy with a try being disallowed, but I thought um, he communicated well with his touch judges uh, for a push in the back on Greg Lelissiwau. Um, so yeah, just I think it was a really good performance from Josh McGowan. I'm not sure uh, what his status is or anything, but you know he might be one to look out for if uh, Gerard Sutton allows him to referee in first grade. Um, of course, the big talk will be about Bevan French, uh, and he started the game off well with a with a try. He looked to get his hands on the ball, which I thought was a bit of a detriment to the team. Um, he tried to do too much. I thought he tried to play as the dominant half when we have Dylan Brown who you know he's still learning the trade and still learning how to be uh, handle the physical nature of reserve grade but I thought um, being his third game now he could have taken the step up but with Bev being there he's a more experienced player of course he wants to uh, get his hand on the ball and do as much as possible I thought that led to a few um, untimely errors for the Magpies and Bev's, Bev's numbers read for interesting stuff 12 runs 59 metres yeah, so just it, it was um a lot of it was getting it at first receiver, and then looking for space like crabbing across yeah. field a few times and um you know when the 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 play would have been for him to be a little bit wider because we were carving them up especially in the first half um down their right edge if he just sort of stuck playing around the back sweeping around the back. Um, and backing up the forwards, I think he would have had uh, more fruitful, more positive uh, outcomes on the game. But that's the way he wanted to play. Uh, that might have been instruction. I don't know. I didn't. I'd, we don't get that as fans. It could have been instruction for him to, you know, we want you to get your hands on the ball. We want you to see what you can do. Or it could have been him um, trying to impress, which I'm not going to, not going to drag him down for that. Because you know, with the way he's played in first grade, he needs to yeah, exactly. Um, it, it, prove it's, why it's easy enough motive to understand in that regard. I can see where you're coming. Yeah, um, but yeah, I just thought um, it was. It, it, I suppose it was like Kane Evans when he first went back to reserve grade mm-hmm. um, this year. Just, just, just tried to do too much, and they just need to simplify their game, just streamline the game, and keep it. Yeah, take it, take a breath. It'll be fine. You've got the play. You know, it mightn't be the most. Um, experienced or talented team around you 
but there are talent, talented players around you. Use them, and eventually you will make inroads. And speaking of talented players, the other big storyline for that game was the ISP debut of a certain prop forward, Stefano Tuecomano off the bench. Uh, 18 tackles, 7 runs, 87 metres, almost exactly half of which of those 87 metres were post-contact. What yeah, did you think only of the 30 big minutes debut? too. Sorry. What did, you think of the, sorry, what did you think of the big man's debut, Ham? Um, you didn't get too many touches early. early on. Well, he come on at, at a, an odd time. before, Just before he come on, Wenty were absolutely dominating the Bears. They had all the possession, all the running. If he was starting then, I reckon his numbers, he would have been over 120 metres easily. He probably would have scored a try too. But he come on just at the wrong time where the Bears were coming back. Um, had to make a few more tackles and you know we, we might be used to but the th- oh, I thought he scored at least three times it just you give him the ball two, <laughs> two off the ruck with 10 metres out and he looks like he's going to score every single time even though he's up against um, some bigger players uh, some players with first grade experience definitely did not look out of place as an 18 year old forward and um He's one that knows, he knows his game. He knows how big he is. Um, he knows that he's got the leg drive to push forward in, in through contact. Um, he helped work it out. So, uh, yeah, I thought it was a really good game from a debutant. Let's move on to the, the Jersey flag, which played, uh, as him was so happy about, before first grade on um, Saturday night. <laughs> um, Eels 34 to Dragon 16, a dominant performance from the uh, the Eels under-20s boys. Tri-scorers, uh, Tapatautai on um, his debut game for the flag. JP Nora bagged one. Okla Denikov, uh, Sapienza, Afalo and Dresler, And Sapienza, five from six off the boot. Uh, yeah, so, sort of an expected result, even though I think they had 10 players out, either through injury, suspension, or promotion. Um, you know, the, they're just a very talented team, and the depth runs really, really, uh, really long. Is that the way you'd say that? I don't know. Um, <laughs> the depth They have deep depth. They have deep depth. <laughs> That's, yep. Um, so yeah, JP Nora coming and made his debut. Um, mainly played in the halves, which was surprising. And Johnny Fenua oh, wasn't he named at fullback? I remember he was named at full. Yeah. He defended at right half and just mainly sort of stayed on the right. So they just they really limited his game coming into it, and they sort of made Johnny still play as the halfback, sort of say. So um, I, I thought it was a good move because you know coming in, in your first game. Um, didn't have to do as much running. Probably, probably had to make more tackles than he would. He'd be used to. But it was just a really simple game, and that's all he needed to do was just back up, make uh, some really good tackles, which he did. Um, another one that made their debut, Valence Harris, and he injured uh, a player on a kick return. He just lined them up, put them on the ground, and they walked off. <laughs> so, um, yeah, not good for the Dragons player. Um, yeah, just an overall really strong performance. And, of course, David Hollis also made his debut. He played about 10 minutes to finish off the game, and I thought he brought a lot of energy. The game was already won, so he was just looking to, you know, just run on the field, stretch the legs out, and, um, yeah, so it looked good. And the Dragons there, they only had one try score score all their three tries. 
Um, but what I liked, I didn't get to see all of the game because I was out at the um, the jumping castle. Um, for me, on the jumping castle, not my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, but anyway, I just saw that when um, Dragon scored their try, it seems that we returned serve pretty quickly. So um, usually in the flag, you know, that under twenties, you sort of get a roll on and and players get their heads down. But it seemed like um, if there was any adversity, we just um, took it back straight away. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, and that just goes to show the the talent of even the young ones pushing through and um, the ones, even Sapienza, who's been absolutely on fire recently, is sort of fourth-picked, fourth-picked half um, in this team. So even him shining, is it's a really positive thing. Right, and there were a couple of other games over the weekend, which was uh, Ron Massey Cup, uh, in which Wenty in first position, 28, to Asquith, uh, Magpies, 10. Um, no Bo Henry this week. I'm not quite sure what the... The, the word is there, but um, there, uh, he must be injured or something, or, or having a week off um, but Roberts with two, Gaffer one, Malone and Rogers scoring tries there, so uh, Wenty just uh, continued to, to dominate the RM Cup, uh, being last season winners of that competition and then in the Shield, the uh, sorry, the um, Guildford Hours 26 to Eagles 12 and um, Wenty winning 44-22 to 22 over the Asquith Magpies um, so that will wrap up the um, last week's uh, matches. Uh, did we want to touch on just anything else in that Dragons Eels match in the first? I, I just wanted to touch on one thing, which I thought was um, I thought it was criminal that James Graham was left out there after that head clash. Um, yeah, we, when, we spoke about, about that you, briefly. You did. It was ridiculous. Oh, yeah, and yeah, I think just in this day and age, I know that their bench rotation isn't great, but you've you've got to put player welfare above that, and, and I'm glad you know. Uh, I'm happy for our team to be called uh, HIA cheats or whatever they want to do, but exactly. it seems that we've we've rested players after concussion, failing the for, concussion protocol. So, for fans like myself, Bertie, and, and yourself, Hamish, who have you know extensive background supporting in the NFL, how serious the concussion issue is is still being understated in Australia. And the fact that, you know, you're getting accused of, um, you know, uh, interchange rorting because of it, like I said, you don't care if you, cop, if you cop that label because you'd rather, you know, straddle the line of abusing the system and, you know, make those checks because down the road, these guys, you know, CTE is such a serious issue. And what happened with James Graham is a blatant, a blatant rort of the system on the other side. And I remember when the NRL first introduced the concussion rule, that there were six-figure fines for clubs in the first couple of weeks that didn't obey it properly. And all of a sudden, those fines have disappeared because that was as blatant a rip-off of the concussion system to keep a player on the field as you will see. And it was disgusting. Yeah, Evans had to get off. Look, if you saw how his legs buckled, if you watch UFC, when someone gets knocked out, they drop and their knees, like they just they curl up in a ball and it just didn't look good. Like, okay, Graham, they can get away. He didn't look as bad when he fell, but... It's going, to, it's going to be a very, very pricey um, uh, thing for the NRL if they don't start fixing this stuff stuff out. Because the NFL came out and did it. They paid out uh, to ex-players you know, to, to as a sorry for what happened for those past years of neglecting them. But they're, they're fixing it. Like They're even bringing a new rule in with the new helmet rule, which is controversial, but it's there for a reason to protect the players. And if the NRL doesn't start doing like start um, enforcing fines or something like that, because the players are just going to end up set, um, suing the NRL, not the clubs. So it's just it's, if I was NRL, better come out now and start fighting players before you have to pay millions in lawsuits, you know, in the future. So 
And it's really bad and enough we have no assets at the moment and we're poor or the NRL's losing money, but yeah. I'm sure they've got insurers to pay out. The NRL wouldn't pay it personally. It'd be some sort of insurance that they've got. Um, yeah, and just on that helmet rule, that's been uh, in the, um, the the college system for a while now, so um, no big change. And if, and if you want a, a good podcast now, it is on the, on the NFL slash college football um, I think I've mentioned it before, Malcolm Gladwell's revisionist history in, in this season. It's called Burden of Proof. It came out about two months ago. And, you know, at the end of the day, um, Malcolm was advocating for complete, you know, wh- where would you go to if you've got friends that are suffering from CTE? Because um, one of the one of the, um, the, the outcomes of, of CTE is it completely scrambles your brain, of course, but that can lead to suicidal thoughts and whatever else. And they've had all these young kids in college, you know, killing themselves because they've, they've suffered from undiagnosed CTE. Um, so, you know, where, where does it draw the line where you've got to say, well, enough's enough, um, we've got to do something about it? Do, do we want ex-NRL players offing themselves and stuff like that after they've suffered from those sorts of things all throughout their life? Um, yeah, that went a bit dark, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that is, that is the nature of the beast that is facing all heavy contact sports. And it's why, you know, I don't, like you said before, I don't care about being labelled, uh, you know, concussion cheats or whatever, because in the end, it's better to have those checks done and have them failed or passed by a professional than it is to ignore them blatantly, because that is how big this issue is. All right, and one last thing. Did we touch on any of the stats? We did no. plenty of stats, did we? Do you mind if I just quickly run through? So 61% possession for the Eels. Oh, not those stats, sorry. We, we spent 34 minutes time in possession to 21 minutes to the Dragons. Uh, most uh, importantly, 93% completion rate. So 41 of 44 sets, whereas the Dragons were only 21 of 32 at 66%. Uh, dominated them in the all-run metres by almost, what, that's 700 metres at least. Uh, dominated in post-contact metres, tackle breaks, line breaks, um, offloads, um, everything that you want. <laughs> um, and then um, kick metres, of course, 600 to 485, one force dropout. Uh, good in the um, kick defusal department. Effective tackles were less than the Dragons, surprisingly. Well, that's a bit strange, but maybe we didn't have to make as many tackles. That might be why. Um, and then 11 errors to 4 for the Dragons, 10 penalties to 5, and 1 sin bin to no. And we had a couple of uh, HIAs in that game as well. So, um, yeah, uh, dominated them from pillar to post in, in the stats, on the field, off the field. So, um, really good outcome for that for that game, and hopefully they can carry some form into this uh, upcoming week's clash. Yeah, um, and as, as Forty said before, I think we're the only, um, if you can call us media, can you call us media? Yeah, we're media um, that are talking about an Eels win rather than a Dragons loss. So that's good. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I went to read the paper on the Sunday and, of course, being the late game, there wasn't any mention of the Eels win in there and then reading in the paper on the Monday and it was there was one little snippet about the Dragons and that was it. <laughs> you know, poor poor um, Eels fans, they've, they've dealt with a shit season. You think somebody could uh, say that they had a good game. Although I have to say... Um, Sturlo in the um, the Monday rap or whatever it was that he does, um, he was pretty glowing of the eels, but being an ex-eel himself, I guess this. Yeah. <laughs> what about McGregor complaining in the press conferences, uh, press conference three times about the penalty count seven zero at one stage, and even the journo's bringing it up like it's, it seems as if he was trying to find an excuse of why they were so bad. Like, you know, we've been smashed all year, and Brad Arthur hasn't mentioned once about the penalty count. You know, I hope he does, but. You know, it's just, well, it's just, it's, the, 
it's yeah. it's you've got to ask the tough questions, and it's like that, that an article that came out in the week about Ricky Stewart saying that uh, complaining about injuries, and they're not even in the top you know five teams for injuries this season. So um, I'd prefer to have a coach that's not making excuses and holding his players accountable rather than you know deflecting on where the real blame lies. And um, we just completely out enthused the Dragons team and forced them into conceding those penalties because we uh, dominated them in the ruck. Um, all right, Eels news. Uh, so there's a couple of uh, items, which is uh, Sean McElduff, being the new Parramatta chairman, um, had a chat with the media recently. Um, so uh, he doesn't believe that he, uh, Arthur will be uh, turfed before his final year of the contract. And um, I think we've talked previously that if Arthur could close out the season well, um, which in the last, since the, the Cowboys game, I think we've definitely played a lot better than we did at the beginning of the season, then he's probably going to get another year, and uh, also provided that our recruitment uh, turns out well, and it seems to be at the moment in those you know, needs that we've addressed in previous podcasts being filled. Um, and the Dragons will be pretty sore that their, um, their replacement for... Um, um, oh, gosh, what's his name? It just escaped me right at that moment. The winger we've signed... Mike Sivo. <laughs> no, Blake, from the Blake Dragons. Ferguson. Blake Ferguson. So Ryan Hall, oh. the replacement's done his ACL. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so uh, just some quotes there. Um, so Sivo uh, hope never dies. <laughs> no. Nah. Uh, so uh, Brad Arthur is the right man for the job. We knew that before our review, and it has only been reaffirmed, uh, reaffirmed our view. And even if he wasn't, I don't believe Bennett is at a stage in his career where he would suit his plans. Bennett seems to be being offered to everybody. Um, Brad has got the respect of the players. The players have backed him. I know the players uh, feel they are well prepared for game day. There's no noise out of the playing group about Brad. He deserves the opportunity to rectify what has happened this year. Um, there's more than one KPI. Obviously, on-field performance is a key element to that, but the criteria is broader. Uh, he knows that criteria, and we know that the criteria is, and he will get judged on that. Uh, he can lose 10 players in the first week, which would make that difficult to reach the finals. So there's factors he is in control of, and we'll judge him on those factors he is in control of. Um, and so the review is still ongoing, but it uh, is expected to be finalised in the next month. Um, and we've learnt we have to spend uh, more money on our pathways, says McDuff, uh, sorry, McElduff. Um, and there's some talent in our junior ranks, obviously we've seen that with the debutants that were all on the field. Um, we had three in that game over the weekend, didn't we? Um, and uh, it's it's about improvement, it's not a witch hunt. Um, so it looks like they're, and they're looking into getting ahead of football as well, which is the most important high we'll make in the next 12 months. Um which is something that we've flagged that we need. Um, and uh, the rumours about Corey Norman being offload have certainly gone cold at the moment, so it looks like we might be playing out next year with um, Corey Norman. All right, and then on to the next bit of news, which is uh, Eels visiting the Parramatta Mission Youth Hub. Um, so Eels, uh, this sort of stuff doesn't get talked about too much in the media, all the stuff that the players do off the field. Um, so very um, important um, and... That was it was it was around the NADOC week as well, which was the um, the um, Native Australians week. Um, so, uh, sorry, I'm just reading through the article as we're saying um, this. Which uh, Kirasami, other Arcane Evans, George Jennings, and Murata Nia Corey were all uh, in attendance at the night, and they spoke uh, highly of the partnership and the event. Um, now the next bit of news, which I think we already touched on, was Brownie in the city to surf. So again, doing all those community, uh, those important community works, um, which will hopefully rub off on 
you know, better performance on the field, hopefully. <laughs> um, well, does that want to wrap up the news? Was there anything you guys wanted to touch on? I saw... No, I can't think of anything of note. Do yeah. we know that the Sean Lane yeah. deal was three years? I think that came up on com recently. Oh, three years, sure. was it? Okay. Yeah, it's a three-year deal, apparently. So that's, you know, pretty... By Parramatta standards, our contracts don't usually go that long. So that's interesting. Looks like they're committing long-term to a couple of forwards now on Junior Polo and Sean Lane, exec, uh, for, <clears throat> et cetera, sorry. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get some more news on that as, uh, when it's announced. So there's a couple in the air that we believe have been uh, the signings they've put pen to paper, but uh, they just haven't announced them, and no word on why that is, um, but possibly saving them up for a rainy day or possibly at the season's end to give a bit of news in the off-season period. So let's get to the uh, previews this week, which in the Shield, ours in 7th place, taking on East Campbelltown in 1st place, Saturday 18 August 1pm at McCready Park, and then Wentworthville Magpies in 4th position, taking on Blacktown Workers in 8th position, uh, for a big day out at Ringrose um, on Sunday August 19th, it all kicks off with the Shield at 11am, Ron Massey Cup, Wentworthville in 1st position, taking on Blacktown Workers in 8th position at 1pm. Uh, the flag has a buy, is that correct? They've got a buy this week and next week, yeah, don't they? Yeah, there's, there's buys next week as well, so it's pretty ridiculous the way the um, draw works. Yeah, they'll have a buy this week and then they play the dogs in the final round. Okay. Uh, it's a global buy the week after, next week, isn't it? Or is No, the they play the dogs. There, oh, there's dogs. just like, there is, there is generic buys next week, like the last week of the round, um, the regular competition, so... Oh, I see what um, you mean, yep. Yeah, sorry, that, that, I should have phrased that better. I just The way it's set up is pretty crazy. And in the ISP, Wentworthville in 11th position, taking on Mounties in 4th position to round off that day at Ringrose, 3pm on Sunday. Um, So it's going to be a big uh, Sunday out at Ringrose, commencing at 11am and probably finishing up at about 5am if you want to get out there and see some park league. Um, Yeah, well worth getting out to Ringrose there. Um, Let's get on to the big match of the week, which sees... The Melbourne Storm off the back of two losses in a row, which doesn't happen very often, in third position, taking on the Eels in, of course, not 16th position, but 15th position. <laughs> um, the flagship uh, primetime game, 7.55pm on Friday the 17th of August on Channel 9, Fox, uh, Triple M Radio, uh, and, of course, on the NRL app, if you uh, are so far inclined to continue on that uh, piece of garbage. Um Coming into the match, Storm at dollar twenty-two favourites, and us four dollars thirty-five outside favourites. <laughs> uh, sorry, outsiders. Um, I don't think we'd call us favourites. Um, so, um, the Storm off the back of those two losses, once against Souths, and then last week against the Sharks, a very uncharacteristic um, game from them, where they only completed uh, at 76 percent and missed forty-one tackles. Um, Something we can get over them this week. What do you What do you reckon, boys? Just initial thoughts well, before we get in the team list. Our last two trips to Melbourne were pretty fruitful. We smacked them around post Origin or post or during Origin free last year, uh, twenty two to six or twenty two to ten, I think it was. Was that and where then, um, where Semi had like uh, three line breaks in the first five he, minutes he or something? Absolutely, gave Vunavalu a bath that game. Yeah, he was on fire, 
And then obviously the the contentious one was the week one finals where we you know slapped them in the face and smacked them around a bit, but copped a couple of uh, dodgy calls. One was absolutely a forward pass for the opening try, and then there was the question marks over the exchange to an offside player and with Cooper Cronk leading up to that really long Tohu Harris or surface hormone try, I think it was. So we, we've competed really well the last couple of times in Melbourne. So there's reason for hope, you know, before we get to the team list. There's always a chance against Melbourne with us. It just seems, and I think with Jared back, I think he really hates Slater. So it's always a big clash <laughs> when those two go up against each other. And I, I think he's one of the ones that hates Slater and Smith just as much as the fans do. Bertie, what do you got? Yeah, um, I'm happy it's not a milestone game for Cameron Smith this time because hashtag Cam Free. It is a milestone game for Cameron Smith because this will he, he'll he'll again pick up the record for the most amount of games played by an NRL player this weekend. Oh, oh you got to be kidding off. me! Can we catch a break at least? Well, every week, every week it's a milestone game for him because he picked up that we've record got, a while ago. We've so got, we've got two milestone players this week. We should get all the luck. Yeah. But like last year, if you watched the like the promos for semi final one, because we had the first match with them, it was all about Melbourne Storm. There was not one thing about Parramatta. Like it's just the NRL ensured they won a premiership, and I'm sure they're going to do the same thing this year to make sure Billy Slater gets it. Even if they don't win, they're just going to do what they do in State of Origin, just give them the award no matter what. It's ridiculous, you know. Like, oh, I just wish we'd go down there and smash them, but can't be like Cherry Evans getting the Clive Churchill in a losing team, will it? Yeah. Uh... Um, all right, well, let's jump into that team list, which uh, running through Melbourne first, Billy Slater at fullback, Vonnie Valu and Addo Carr on the wings, Chambers Scott in the centres, Munster and Hughes in the halves, uh, Jesse Bromwich and Nelson Asofa Solomona in the um, forward rotation, Cameron Smith at hooker, and then in the second row, Kafusi and Stimson with Dale Finucane at lock, and then on the interchange bench, uh, Chase Blair. Oh, Chase Blair's there. Okay. Uh, real <laughs> Sorry, it's just oh, a bit strange. Sweet. It's it's a strange to have um, Chase Blair as a, as an interchange. He's more of a centre slash outside back. Um, Tim Glasby, Christian Welch, and Kenneth Bromwich or Kenny Bromwich, and then the extended uh, bench is uh, Brandon Smith, former Eel, Tui Kami Kamaka. Kami Kamika. Sorry, my apologies. Uh, Albert Vette, who was playing, um, of course, for. Warriors and Brody Croft, who's uh, been relegated to the um, who who do they play for in the um, the Queensland uh, comp? It's is it? Uh, um, it's a couple of teams, don't they play for? Yeah, I is it some Central, sort of Central Queensland something? I don't know. Yeah, yeah okay. no, South, one, one of the South Queensland teams. Queensland. Yeah, yeah. Um, of course, Ryan Hoffman out. He's uh, done some sort of. Uh, it was it was a tendon in his hamstring, wasn't it? I think from the reports. Um, yeah, yeah something about the heavy. He's out for the year, apparently. Yeah, I know Ryan Hoffman was part of those cheating years, but he always stood out as you know a decent club man, and I don't think he was in on it because he was the one that took the fall to go over to the um the the English league um, so that they could retain their big three at the time. Um, so unfortunate for Ryan Hoffman. So hopefully he gets back and plays some another game at least and goes out on his own terms this year. Um, and on to the Eels, unchanged almost from last week, uh, except for, of course, Tim Manor coming back in. Um, and, of course, 
the interchange bench. Wow. <laughs> um, but let's get into the backs first. Corey Norman at fullback. Jared Hayne, George Jennings on the wings. Michael Jennings, Clinton Gutherson in the centre positions. Jamin Salmon at 5'8", Mitch Moses at halfback. And then in the prop rotation, uh, Vave and Tim Manor, Reed Marty at number nine. So the future GOAT taking on the current GOAT. <laughs> uh, Murata Neokore, Tep Marara on the edges, and Nathan Brown at lock. And then another debutante, so I'm sorry, Birdie, but uh, Oregon Kafusi yeah. brings that he up to six. He, <laughs> he, got, he got roasted this afternoon when the team was... <laughs> Bloody uh, Brad Arthur. He has to ruin everything. <laughs> Sack BA. Bring back the, bring back the five. <laughs> Oh, now we've not got a song no more, man. We had a song by Sunday. Forty brought it up. You know, he's clever minded now. Out the window, Birdie. So I'll, I'll look back through the audio. I, I haven't checked it out, but I'm not sure if you said five or at least five. So you, you might get there on a technicality, but we'll <laughs> uh, we'll go back and, and review that audio. Um, so Oregon Kafusi making his debut. Um, in the Eels in the top flight, which brings that six to six debutants. So all those out there complaining that we never blood young blokes, um, that's six for the year. <laughs> um, now, do you guys just want to uh, touch on Oregon, Kafusi, um, both Ham and Forty? You can lead the way if you want, Ham. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so I think when he first came into Harold Matz, he was sort of not one that really stood out. He just sort of played his game. Um, just did it well, just sort of did his job. And then the next year at SG Ball, um, all of a sudden he found himself playing regular 20s uh, the year after when he was only 18, um, which was definitely unexpected, um, you know, from my perspective anyway. I, th- I thought uh, there was some other players there that might have been above him or whatever, but, you know, fantastic for him. And then all of a sudden this year, playing ISP at uh, 19. So um, definitely a really quick rise throughout the ranks and you know very good for him he's a he's solidly built he's um he's not the tallest player but i think he's around about 190 centimeters about 105 kilos so you know i'd say that they're pretty solid estimates yeah yeah so you know just around that you know a good size for a for a prop second row gets through a lot of work um great leg drive um not afraid to tackle so you know Massive congratulations to him um, debuting at only 19. Not going to lie, when yeah, I said I mean, that uh, prediction, I was expecting Greg Lelessiwa to debut Raystone and even <laughs> Selesi Fangai because he was playing at the World Cup. I did not expect um, uh, this guy, what's his name, Oregon Kafusi to debut. I thought he would be another two years away, but you know, I'm surprised he's actually got the go ahead of uh, Raystone, to be honest. And just to touching back on, back on that, uh, Oregon Kafusi mainly did he play in the prop, prop rotation in the twenties and move to more of an edge role? Is that right? Playing in ISP? Yeah, yeah he's only played on the, on the edge the for about three weeks. So more of a middle forward, and if you're looking at that rotation, yeah. you, you think he'd be ex- expected to play more in the middle with Brad Takarangi, of course, interchanging with Murata. Um Possibility that he does move out to an edge if they want to move Tep into the middle. Um, but I think looking at that team list, he's going to play more of probably 20 minutes or so off the bench, you'd expect, something like that. That's how BA likes to introduce his players, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah he's it's a big, pretty conservative. It's a big call, you know, a young forward up against Melbourne Storm. Their, their tack, tackling techniques, like, they've got a massive pack as well, so it's going to be a big, big uh, test for him, for the gun. 
Yeah, well, it's, it's certainly, you know, it's it's right. it's not the worst time to introduce a player like this um, because obviously finals are out of reach, so you may as well see what you've got for next year. And I think Oregon's probably, I don't know, is he on the development six contract this year? So you'd think he'd move to a, a top 30 position next year if, if they think that that's the way forward or at least retain think, him yeah, on a development. A, a fairly logical development uh, for the, the roster construction, yeah. Yeah, depending on what sort of um, off uh, contract players you can pick up in the off season, exactly. we've already picked up a fair few. But if you're looking to promote from which within, which we have for for a fair few players, you know, including Reed Marnie, Murata Nairkore, um, of course, Jamin Salmon. We've seen uh, Ray Stone again on the extended bench. Unfortunately, he's had a couple of injuries that might have seen him debut before Oregon uh, this year. But of course, injuries have sort of held him back. Um, so they're certainly having a look at these young uh, development players who they've they've got an eye on, and um, it seems that all the development players that have come in this year have uh, sort of thrived in that environment and probably been better than some of the the long-standing players. Um, obviously, you can see that with Reed Marnie, the difference between him and Will Smith, and and of course between him and um, uh, also uh, Cameron King and um, oh gosh. Kayser as well. Sorry, my brain's not working <laughs> at this time right. of night. Um, and then Jamin Salmon, whilst uh, he didn't score a try, he went he went close on three occasions um, and, and did his role well and then put up that swirling bomb that led to a, a Jared Hayne try. Did that count as an assist? Yes. Uh, the, uh, assist. <laughs> so, so hopefully this, uh, the, the fish... Can, the, the fish can get a try this week. Um, all right, and the, the rest of the bench, Penny Terrapo, uh continues, hopefully continuing his vein of form. I love that that crab. Well, I wouldn't call it a crab across the field, but like the edge running and then straighten. He, he seems to, to slide defences. What I would like it's to see very, is him to throw that inside ball again. Yes, yeah, it'd be a good mix. Um, and David Gower, Brad Takarangi. Uh, David Gower, Bertie, you were talking last week about the, the philosophy coming in, spaces, not faces. And I think Gower is probably the leading proponent in our team, if not the NRL, of that philosophy. <laughs> if you're ever uh, watching him uh, live, you just see he does that late shift with the bit of footwork to get himself uh, in between tacklers. Um, as opposed to somebody like Nathan Brown, who picks the biggest bloke out on the other side and runs directly at them. So, <laughs> um, David Gower's um, preserving himself in his older age. On the topic of David Gower and Penny Trepo, it's uh, both their 100th NRL games this week. So, nice milestones. One for a journeyman and one for a, you know, a up and, not quite up and coming, but a, a forward that's starting to really find his feet in the NRL. Uh, just on David Gower playing his 100th game, and, you know, the way the Storm play and everything. Actually, no, I won't. I won't. I was going to say, should we get Gowie to um, target Cameron Smith and take him out early in the game? <laughs> Just, you know, Gowie, you've, you've played 100 games. You've done well for the club. I think he's played 80 for us. He's done yeah, his 80 job. Is, 80 of his 100 games will be for us. It's yeah. a really cool story because he, he was the definition of an NRL journeyman between Super League and then wandering about the reserve grade teams of a number of different NRL clubs. And he came here in 2014 um, off the back of Manly's grand final loss. And he carved out his own niche in this team. You know, he's been, there's lows, there's highs in his um, time here at the Eels, but he's a great character, um, really clever guy off the field, does a lot of different uh, degrees and diplomas and whatnot. And one of the real good guys in the NRL. So really chuffed that he, um, he made it to game 100. 
And so really would him taking out Cameron Smith, that would just add to his good guy persona to, <laughs> to the, for the amongst NRL fans. If, you know, we had um, we had Chechen sin-binning uh, Smith, which will be a lifelong achievement of Matt Chechen. Um, so, you know, if someone could take out Cameron Smith and, you know, give a little few wrestling techniques of their own back to him and snap their arm underneath him, well, you know, I think I think that might be... And they've only got Chase Blair on the bench, so there's no, there's no um, dummy half there. Again, I completely said that. Com- just com- yeah. Okay. <laughs> it could potentially be former teammate uh, CSI Vavé. He's got off his nudie run, so uh, now's That's, the time, yeah. Vavé. Well, Gal has got the Bo Scott haircut, so hopefully he can do a Bo Scott take him out. <laughs> is it a haircut or is it just no uh, hair? A lack oh, of hair. It's a life choice, actually. I heard it's a life choice, so. <laughs> All right, so the extended bench, Josh Hoffman, Bevan French, Ray Stone, Cameron King, Bevan French finding himself out of favour now um, with the um, first choice wingers being George Jennings and Jared Hayne. Um, so they uh, uh, talk a big game, but don't uh, put up on the field, and uh, that's the consequences, unfor- well, fortunately or unfortunately, probably fortunately for the team. All right, well, let's run through. Where where, where do you guys think that we can attack... Um, Melbourne Storm. Obviously, Will Chambers has been, um, I have to say, completely off his game this year. Uh, if you watched the game last year, uh, last week against the Sharks, he seems to be the leading proponent of putting a kick in on like the second tackle uh, after defending for like five sets in a row. So, <laughs> um, possibly uh, uh, um, Reed Marnie getting in his ear, or, or Clint Gutherson getting in Will Chambers' ear and just firing him up. I think so. Um, I think we just got to try and. Not not beat them at their own game, but just try and niggle them and get underneath their skin. How they've lost two games in a row now, you know. Try and get them a little bit frustrated early, and um, keep mentioning to the ref about their wrestling tactics, and constantly talking to the ref about all that sort of stuff. Yeah, well, on refs, uh, we've got is it Jared Suon is how it was uh, Suon, <laughs> on the tip sheet. Uh, presuming it's Jared Sutton, and that's just yeah, not great. But Adam Adam G, yeah, yeah. Adam G, sorry. sorry. He's he's been the ref involved in a couple of our better performances from officials. So he was the one last week. I thought he was really good. He was. He was him and Badge were both. Was it Badger we had? No, No, it was um, was, John um, Henderson. Yeah, Henderson. Yeah, because it was Badge on the tip sheet, but then it changed. Um, so hopefully it changes this week and we get rid of um Jared Suon and don't replace him with Jared Sutton. (laughs) 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 All right, did we? Forty. I was going to say, uh, a win would obviously be ideal up against one of the big dogs in the competition as we look to keep building for 2019. But I think it's just, you want to avoid the spoon, but you, more than that, you, just want to, you want to see good results on the field. You want to see us competing um, and you know, and smacking around a little bit because we know that they're going to be fired up. Like you mentioned leading into the preview part of it, they're on their second loss in a row, almost unprecedented for Melbourne under Bellamy. So they're going to be fired right up. I think we match up pretty well playstyle-wise. You talk about you know different play styles, troubling different teams. Cronulla have our number, no matter how we play them. That gritty play style just does not mesh well for us. We tend to run right over the Dragons, as we saw last week. I think we match up pretty well against the Storm. I don't know how much it was semi, is the only question, you know, given his special abilities on the edges. But I think the way we played last week, you know, it's going to be hard to replicate it, but you play anywhere near that, and you're going to give them a real run. Yeah, so the head-to-head results played 33, Storm 20, Eels 13. 
Um, and a lot of those losses freaking came in final series, weren't they? There was like a string yeah. of about four From, years in a row where they knocked us out. Yeah, uh, I think right up until the our last loss to the, the Cowboys um, in the second week of the finals last year, Melbourne Storm were the, the sole team to knock us out of the finals back to like 2006. I think well, since 2005, the only two teams that have knocked us out of the finals are the Storm and the Cowboys. Yeah, there you go. And there was like four or five games prior, um, up to 2009, um, 06, 07, 08, uh, one, yeah, was, I, was it 06? 06? Yeah, 06 was 07, 06, 07, 09, and then um, obviously the Cowboys last, uh, last year put, put us out of the finals. Um, okay, well, let's get into previews, Birdie. Sorry, I had to cough. Um, uh, I reckon we're going to win. 24 to 14, first try scorer, uh, Reed Marnie, and Salmon's going to cross, and Murata's going to cross the line. So, yeah, that's what, that's my prediction. Well, the Rook's getting over the board. 40. Yeah, the head says Melbourne are going to come out, fight up, and, and probably get the W. Um, maybe eat that W, as Hamish is so fond of saying. But the heart says you've got to ride Parramatta home. They've played some good footy for nearly two months now. So Eels win 20-12. to 12. Uh, First try scorer. It's got to be Jared if we're going with that theme of Jared hating Billy in the storm. Get him over the board first, or on the board first over the line. Mixing up all my stuff. Good good, good shit, John. Uh, and any, anything esoteric I got for that? Uh, Jared, first try scorer. And there might be a blue. I think there's a little bit of um, feeling between the two teams to boil over this um, this year. And him? I said it before. Um, there's a little bit of hate between Hayne and Slater. I think we will see oh, another hat trick from the plane this week. But he's not the plane because he won't put out the arms this week again and I'll be disappointed once again, but I'll be happy with the three with the three tries. Um, I predicted a 36-nil scoreline last week, and both teams had to score four extra points, and you know put that off too. Um, <laughs> what should what should it be this week? Uh, eight points to them, two of which will be penalty goals and a try, and it'll be 14 to us, two tries and a penalty goal. Wait, no, that can't work out because Lane's going to score a trick. 20 points to 8. <laughs> 20 to 8. <laughs> Don't worry. He scores a hat-trick in our hearts every week. <laughs> All right. Well, um, I'd... Yeah. I'm on the 40 train, which is uh, head saying um, a close loss, 1 to 12, uh, to Melbourne. Uh, but I think we're going to give him a real scare. Um but I just think off the back of two losses, um, it's going to be really difficult and down in enemy territory. Um, but uh, as long as I see another great performance from the, the young, uh, uh, I won't say kids because they're not kids anymore, but young men in the team in Reed Marnie, uh, Jamin Salmon, I'd like to see uh, Salmon and his defensive involvement last week. I think that was an issue that you raised on a number of occasions, Ham, coming through ISP that... You know, defensively, he had a little bit of work to do. And, and of course, last week, I thought he, he stood up really well in that department. 21 tackles, zero missed. Yeah, really good showing there. And that's that's one of the really important things. I'd like to see him run a little bit more this week. I didn't think he um, ran as much, but, you know, things were made a lot easier in that regard, in that Corey Norman was really playing that that um, that 
third half option. And then, of course, you had Hain um, interchanging into that fullback option as well, and Clinton Gutherson also playing in that role. So I like how that they're able to throw a couple of shapes, and I think we can really uh, put uh, Melbourne off their game down at home. Uh, but I just think... Um, we might just be lacking just a little bit to get over the line, but that's not to say we won't play some really good football. We'll probably be dudded by some bullshit try decision from Jared Sutton. That'll <laughs> get the it. storm over you the line. <laughs> um, all right, well, let's get into uh, plugs now. Uh, I'll start with you, Bertie. Yeah, Twitter's uh, BevanHeaven1. Um, uh, I know I'm going to pro cop a lot of shit for this because it's you know, AFL, but a uh, player went down. Alex Johnson did his uh, six. He's had. He's gonna have his. What, six. A, what a tragic story that one is. He's um. He's had five knee recos and he's had twelve surgeries on his knees regarding um because he's done his ACL too many times and this is the one leg he has not had a surgery on so it's his good leg and it's his second game back and on, at the first time he's back at the MCG since the grand final and he just did his knee and like exactly the same feeling when Gufferson went down like my heart sunk and. I just thought this sport can be so cruel and yeah, but what made it um what what was a good sign is that quarter time he came out in, um off the bench into the team huddle and just focused on the team, giving that speech and practically pr- trying to make out like he didn't do his knee, but it was a good um it was a good uh, sign from him to show that it's team first before him. So yeah, and my Cowboys lost, so let's don't talk about that. Uh, Only three uh, points preseason. Yeah, Jimmy G did nothing. So yeah. <laughs> that's it. That's too busy on lunch dates with uh, adult actors. What are they called? You know the adult movie stars. Um, okay, forty. <laughs> uh, I'm forty twenty. Uh, one of the founders of the Cumberland Fro, and sometimes emergency host of the Para Podcast. Uh, you can catch me and all the boys at TCT on the Cumberland or at t- at Eels TCT on Twitter. Lots of great stuff this week after that thumping uh, victory of the Dragons. Uh, jump on, um, post a comment, or hit us up online on Twitter. And Ham, you were going to be wanting to talk about the uh, the NFL. Oh, absolutely! Um, <laughs> I love the the sh- no Green Bay Packers. There's one. Um, <laughs> the worst. <laughs> oh, okay. I used to, I used to, used to play them as Matt on Madden. That was the team I picked, and I used to play them on Madden. So uh, Cheeseheads. That's yeah, it. That's... How's that for some knowledge for you for you? That's see? it. Dropping see? it. I love it. Um, <laughs> I've got nothing. I've just got my Twitter. Everyone knows what it is. I don't need to plug it again. How many followers you got now? 75. I don't know how. It's ridiculous. I'm getting too popular. I'm getting... I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to quit the podcast. I'm getting, I'm getting too good. Jeez. The Twitterverse holler if you hear ham. Oh, Incredible. That's me. That's that's my plug. <laughs> no band this week? No, I haven't seen any. I've been oh. too busy. I'm going to a gig this Friday, though, but it's it's a secret house party gig no one's supposed to know about, so I can't talk about it. All right. Now, um, for PM, who isn't here, sports first name, Bucker, um, you can catch him on Twitter at Paramatters. Um, he's come out of hiding. He's 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 had the shits with the NRL recently, but <laughs> a couple of eels wins got him back on the train. Um, so hopefully the boys can get another win on the weekend to to keep uh, PM in a happy mood. And um, if you want to catch some NRL gear, some eels gear, whatever fan gear, um, check out uh, his store www.sportsfirstnbucker.com.au. 
and then us at Parrot Podcast and forward slash Parrot Podcast on Facebook. And of course, Green Bay Packers uh, getting their um, first win of the NFL preseason. Uh, had to put up with Brett Hundley for, for one quarter of the, the preseason game. And then we got uh, the Browns' former quarterback, Deshaun Kaiser, came out. And then the young gun, Tim Boyle, uh, throwing two touchdowns, looking very, very sweet. So um, Hundley still wasn't as bad as Paxton Lynch. Well, that's booed. true. Um, oh, that was bad. Yeah. That was brutal. <laughs> yeah, very, very brutal. And, and, and there's also, we were talking about a couple of names that were coming out uh Equinemius St. Brown, he had a couple of good uh, uh, catches, four receptions, 61 yards. Uh, but the, the bloke that um, that Aaron Rodgers is, is sort of loving is uh, Jake Kumaro. And you should see this bloke's hair. Gosh, it goes down almost to his ass. He sounds like a potato. And no, no, he's he might be on this wide receiving core. And, you know, after losing my boy, my boy in this offseason uh, to the... Uh, oh, where did he go to? He went over to... Um, What's that crazy guy that's coaching over Oakland. at the yeah Oakland Raiders? Um, Gruden. John, uh, Gruden. Yeah, Gruden. Um, if Kumaro makes the the fifty three men men squad, I, I might be able to love again. Okay, guys. Yeah, but it was good 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 game by our our blokes. So hopefully, again, only preseason, and we've got uh, this week coming up. Uh, who do you, who do you boys have this week in the preseason? We're going to Oakland, I think. Uh, oh, you got to go take the Raiders on. Let me let me just double check. So that. Cowboys against the Bengals. Bengals, yeah. Uh, Chargers. It's Chargers, then Vikings, then Oakland. So oh, I've got Chargers. So so which Chargers player is going to get a uh, season-ending injury this yeah, week? <laughs> God, if if you guys like for the listeners of the podcast, if you want to look at a cursed sporting franchise, the Cleveland Browns are a great place to start, <laughs> and then the San Diego, the San Diego, or now as they're known, the Los Angeles Chargers, are incredible. Every year, there's like I kid you, half a dozen of their core players season-ending injuries. Like they've, they've changed coaching staff, they've changed strength conditioning staff. Nothing matters. Just come the end of preseason, they've lost like half of their their great players are gone. They've lost their two their first two uh, tight ends, and they're like to ACLs, and it's just ridiculous. Like... And their their CB one's gone down as well. Uh, it, it is just insane. And yeah. we've got the Steelers this week, so that should be a really good matchup, just a bit of a test. Um, I don't think we'll see the main man uh, getting out there and throwing and, and slinging balls over their mountains. Um, but, yeah, um, hopefully we see a bit more of Kaiser and the young bloke as and, and less Brett Huntley. Um, all right, well, I think that's enough other talk. I think we'll wrap it up there. Um, so enjoy all of your rugby league this weekend. And again, hopefully the uh, blue and gold boys get over uh, in all grades, uh, or I guess black and white in the um, the other the other grades. Um, what what colours are the Guildford Elves run out in? Maroon yeah, and brown, brown, brown and gold. Yeah, maroon and gold and white. Well, they are all, all those different colours uh, getting wins over the weekend. Colours of the rainbow. Colours of the rainbow. Um, <laughs> blue and gold, the hey, Paramaterials rainbow. <laughs> before we go, if uh, any listeners in Melbourne, hopefully there are, if you're a massive basketball fan, on 17th of August, which is, I don't know when, uh, Ben Simmons will be in town, so you might get some merch, you know, you can try and convince him to dump that Kardashian, I don't know which one it is, probably Bruce, who knows what it is. Um, but yeah, so yeah, tr- first time he's come back to the country since he's uh, went big in the America, so yeah, get down to Culture Kings Melbourne. And I'm also, not getting, if you're I'm not a, a fan of the podcast that, in Melbourne, 
Also, if you're a fan of the podcast Melbourne, hopefully you can get out to the game this week. Oh, yeah. yeah. Parramatta play this week as well. So it's a win-win. On the 17th. Yeah. When's that? Friday. 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 Oh, Friday that. And then when's the, when's the game? Sa- Saturday, Birdie. Oh, glad. Oh, no, it is Friday. Sorry. What are we talking Friday, about? Yeah. We're the prime oh, okay. Well, this is before. So go this before, then go tell him to dump the Kardashian and then go to the game. And throw something at Billy Slater. Okay, that's it. <laughs> We'll leave on that high note. Cheers. Classic. See you later, guys.